Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast. I'm Ernie Neff, and I'm sitting today with Michael Rogers, who is the center director at the Citrus Research and Education Center. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Ernie. I know we have another great program planned for the March podcast. Please go over what will be discussed in general this month. Okay, sure. Thank you, Ernie. Uh, in this month's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the quickly approaching 2019 Florida Citrus Growers Institute. Uh, this is a meeting put on by our Citrus Multi-County Extension agents, and they have a great program lined up. So I'll I'll be talking about what we have in store for that schedule, just giving you a, a, a kind of a, a preview of what's to come at that upcoming meeting. Uh, then we'll hear from one of our newest uh, members of the IFAS faculty, Dr. Amira Rezazeta, who is the new Citrus Multi-County agent on the East Coast. And uh, he'll be uh, uh, talking about some of his goals and UF IFAS, uh, what his plans are for his new position. And then we'll get to hear from Dr. Yu Wong, who is an assistant professor of flavor chemistry here at the CREC. And she's got some exciting work on uh, flavor chemistry, developing some new um, potential products for our industry. And so it, it's really exciting stuff, and we'll hear more about that. And lastly, uh, Dr. Johnny Ferrarezzi uh, from the Fort Pierce Research Station uh, will be talking about the work he's doing with new grapefruit variety trials, as well as the project he has going on the East Coast uh, looking at cups or citrus under protective screen. Michael, let's jump into the Citrus Growers Institute. I know we got something a little different this year, but tell us about the basics of the Growers Institute down in Avon Park. Okay, so every year, for as long as I can remember, our Citrus Multi-County agents have put together a really good program uh, down in Avon Park uh, called the Citrus Growers Institute. And they've always tried to make this a program that's uh, very applied information that growers can use. And I think this year they've done a very good job in putting together a program that growers are going to find very useful uh, for continuing to refine their their programs for managing HLB and SILIDs. You're going to start off, it looks like, with Callie Walker from uh, FDAX talking about a regulatory update. Uh, yes, and uh, there's been a lot of changes uh, lately uh, in the in FDAX in terms of some new uh, rules and quarantines, particularly related to citrus black spot as that continues to spread in the southwest part of the state. And so I expect we'll hear a little bit about those the new quarantine areas for citrus black spot and the rules and regulations surrounding that. So that'll be something that'll be of, of timely use for growers, especially in the southwest part of the state. Coming up, I see next that they're going to talk about nutrition Arnold Schumann and of course nutrition everywhere I go these days everybody is focusing on nutrition. Absolutely and we, we have been talking about that a lot even in the past podcast how important it is to be making changes to how you care for trees to take that stress off trees that are diseased with HLB and, and, and probably one of the most important things growers can be doing is changing their nutrition programs. You can't do things the way you used to do 20-30 years ago. And it's easy for us to say that, but then how do growers make those changes? And that, that's what Arnold uh, Schumann's going to be talking about in his presentation, is, is how you can determine the nutrient status of your trees and make those changes that are needed. 
but growers still need, of course, to keep up with standard practices they've always had, and weed control is going to be on there. It's been kind of a little forgotten at times. Yeah, it was interesting. When I started here in IFAS more than 16 years ago, um, when you look at the co- the budgets for what growers spent money on, weed control was one of the number one things. You know, as an entomologist, I thought, oh, well, insects are more important. But, you know, weeds have always been important. They continue to be important. There's a lot of new products coming out for weed control um, due to some weeds become resistant to certain herbicides. So uh, Dr. Rondas uh, Canissary from the uh, uh, research station in Immokalee is going to be giving us an update on, on his work in weed control and some of the new products and, and their crop safety profiles. I see coming up then we've got a little session on mesh bags, and I'm starting to see those around the citrus belt more and more little individual bags on trees. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Just the other day I was driving down Highway 60, and I'm I'm going by groves and seeing these these white bags sticking up, you know, out of the ground. It looks like you know covering the trees, and I've got lots of people asking about that. You know, how how useful are those? Do they really work? And and we definitely see that they do protect trees from HLB and. Um, so the question is, is, is this economically a, a, economically a viable approach for growers? And, and Dr. Ariel Singerman, our economist at the CREC, has been working with the researchers to j- answer that question. And so you'll hear more about that uh, in his answers for the economic viability of, of bags for protecting young trees. Kind of a new section this year at the Institute on HLB, a report from somewhere else, but tell us about that. Yes, uh, so this year we, uh, the agents have included a, a small a chunk of time, about an hour and a half for us, to talk or provide updates on the International Research Conference on Long Long Bing that's happening uh, in California in March. Usually we do a standalone grower day, but we, like, as I mentioned before, in the previous podcast, we, we hate to keep on bombarding growers with meetings after meetings. So we've, we've included that information, that, that summary of what's discussed at the HLB meeting in California as part of the formal Citrus Growers Institute this year. So that way we're trying to load this seminar with as much information as we can. Uh, at this point, we don't know what's going to be talked about at the IRCHLB. The, the program was just announced. But we'll do it similar to, to previous years where we will have three sections where uh, Dr. Tripti Vashish will talk about uh, the information presented at that meeting on horticultural practices to manage HLB. Uh, Dr. Lauren Diepenbrock, our extension entomologist, will talk about what was learned about Asian citrusillid management. And then Dr. Megan Dudney will talk about HLB pathology or what was learned about controlling the HLB bacterium itself. And so that's that's how, how we've broken down those presentations uh, for this Grower Day section of the uh, uh, Citrus Growers Institute. And then I see we're going to have lunch, then come back to regular session of the Institute, it looks like. Yeah, so we'll wrap up the day with um, information, a section on psyllid management. And the first speaker is going to be Dr. Lucas Stolinski, and he has got some uh, really timely information for growers um, about what you can do to change your psyllid management programs to be more effective. We've had issues with insecticide resistance. Um, you know, the products aren't working like they used to. Growers are also looking for ways to cut cost. And uh, talking to Lucas, he's, he's made some really good progress in, in research on managing psyllids, addressing these issues. So he's going to provide some information I think growers will find very useful to help cut cost and cut back on spraying of psyllids, but be more effective in managing both psyllids and HLB spread. Then you got something on RNAi technology for psyllids. Uh, yes, Dr. Nabil Kalini. Um, some people remember some work he's presented in the past 
using RNAi to control psyllids. And there were some pictures where he had put some uh, used RNAi to actually make psyllids unable to complete development. And you had psyllids coming out with legs coming out their heads and all kinds of stuff. They couldn't fly. Uh, but he he's continued to take that work further. And so we're going to get an update on a potential new tool. Um, it's not available right now, but down the road it's something that might be available for growers to help manage psyllids. Then some other things about psyllid control. Yeah, so getting back to things that are more uh, timely that growers can use right now, Dr. Christopher Vincent will give us an update on the work with uh, kale and clay, or also known as particle films. Uh, he's been doing work looking at colored kale and clays, and not only has he seen that um, you're controlling psyllids with those, but there's actually a, a, a positive effect on, on helping to manage HLB. And so he'll provide an update on that, and, and that's information growers can, can put to use pretty soon in their groves. And the last presentation, uh, Joad Qureshi? Yes, Dr. Qureshi, who's uh, one of our entomologists at the Southwest uh, Research Station in Immokalee, will be providing an update on the work that he's been doing. Uh, on different spray programs, both for organic and conventional uh, citrus grove management, uh, both in terms of controlling psyllids and looking at the impacts on yields. And so I know growers will find that of interest as well. Want to give one last plug? Give us the date and location of the Institute. Okay, so the, the date, again, is uh, Tuesday, April the 2nd um, of this year. It, it starts. The registration begins at 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, the welcome begins at 8.40 and we will wrap up no later than 3 o'clock p.m. And this is taking place at the uh, South Florida State College uh, there in Avon Park. Excellent. Michael, thank you. Thank you, Ernie. This is Ernie Neff. Next, we'll go to Abby Taylor. Hello, my name is Abby Taylor, and I am talking to Amir Rezazadeh, a new member of IFIS faculty. He is a multi-county citrus agent on the east coast of the state. So Amir, since you're a new face to the citrus community, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, well, um, before coming here and starting my job in University of Florida, I was in Mississippi State University. Uh, I got my PhD in horticulture at Mississippi State, and for two years I was a postdoc. And during the postdoc, I was working on uh, fruit production and fruit physiology. And in addition to my uh, academic background, I was uh, also working as a horticulture specialist uh, in citrus industry for five years, uh, but not in the U.S., in my country, in Iran. Uh, so I have a mix of uh, experience uh, uh, in fruit production, and in industry, and academia that I believe that I can help me in this uh, position. Perfect. So you're coming in as the new person in this position in IFIS. So can you tell some of the growers in your area what some of your goals are in your new job? Well, um, obviously in this position, I will focus on citrus production because we are in Florida and uh, the most important industry in uh, Florida is citrus industry, and unfortunately, the citrus industry here is suffering from uh, many, uh, you know, uh, um, diseases, especially uh, citrus greening. Uh, so my goal uh, first is to help growers, citrus growers here, uh, you know, uh, and provide them the uh, research-based information. Uh, about the citrus screening and uh, and you know help them to uh, uh, improve the quality and uh, productivity of their citrus. Uh, um, 
as all of you know that uh, right now we don't have any cure for this uh, disease, but uh, you know we have learned a lot about this disease, uh, the plant response to the disease, and also the disease uh, vectors. So, uh, in collaboration with lots of scientific uh, scientists uh, of University of Florida, uh, I'm trying to trans, uh, you know, transfer their uh, cutting edge results and their project to local citrus producer here uh, to help them maintain their citrus trees uh, healthy. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I believe that we can find, uh, you know, a cure for this uh, devastating disease. So this may be the first time growers in your area are hearing from you. So what is your message to them? Right. Uh, well, um I have started my job uh, three weeks ago, and um, um, I really want the growers to uh, know that I'm here to support them. Uh, I have a broad experience in citrus production and uh, uh, fruit physiology, so uh, I just want them to know that uh, they can uh, account on me, they can call me, visit my office. Um, I will I will hear um, you know, to help them uh, to find a solution for uh, the, the citrus production in this area, and as well as well as uh, one of uh, my other goals is to uh, introduce the local producer here the new high value uh, you know alternative crops here. Uh, some some crops, some new crops are in my mind now, and that I can. Uh, introduce to the new growers to, um, in my region. Uh, if we cannot uh, combat with citrus greening, we can, uh, uh, you know, uh, start producing some other crops like uh, like artichoke, passion fruits, and some other tropical fruits that uh, are economically feasible for this uh, region. Great. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add for our grower audience? Um, well, I'm very excited uh, to start my job here, and uh, it's a new area in my, uh, uh, you know, major. Uh, I have been doing some teaching and uh, research in my background, but now um, I'm starting the extension job, uh, and it is very exciting for me because uh, I can apply all of my background and my my knowledge that I gained during those years, almost 10 years, and now I can transfer all of my knowledge uh, to the growers here in Florida and help them to find a solution um, um, for the issues and help them to, uh, you know, uh, produce the higher quality of fruits uh, here in Florida. All right. Well, thank you, Amir, for joining us on this month's program. Thank you very much. You're listening to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest in citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences. Now, back to the show. I'm Ernie Neff. I'm with Yu Wong at the Citrus Research and Education Center in Lake Alfred. You tell us a little what you do here, what your position is. I'm assistant professor of uh, food chemistry at uh, uh, Citrus Research Education Center, and I have affiliate to Department of Food Science and Human Nutrition. Uh, my job here mainly focuses on the citrus flavor and how to improve the citrus flavor and uh, how to uh, understand consumer liking. How do you do that? You talk to some consumers? 
to find out what they want to do? Yes, and usually we will conduct uh, conduct a consumer liking study and try to understand what consumers like about our orange product. Do they have any concern? If anything, they don't like. Uh, for example, some of our consumers, they really like that orange flavor. They really like that freshness in the orange juice, but uh, that's their language. And our job is to translate consumer language into a scientific language. Actually, other scientists could use that information. And eventually, that information, I would assume, could go to processors and growers to help them in producing the product that the consumer wants. That's true, because uh, uh, for us, like what we're doing in the lab is uh, we're using some uh, analytical te- uh, chemistry techniques and some equipment to detect what compound in those oranges actually represent orange flavor or would affect the freshness. So those information actually could provide to the uh, processors so they would know, okay, how to keep those freshness in the product. We also have some... Uh, project with growers and because growers are trying different treatment to improve the tree house and uh, we want to also at the same time to evaluate the fruit quality to make sure that specific treatment not only improve the tree house but also could in- improve the consumer liking. And of course the whole industry has been afflicted with HLB for the past 13 or 14 years now, I think that has had some impacts on our juice quality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so because for our industry, production is one thing and consumption is another thing. Also, both are very important. So you're looking into some of the ways HLB has impacted juice flavor, I assume. Yes, and uh, we want to understand how HLB changed the food quality. That's one thing we're doing. And once we know that, uh, we know how to improve that and from what way, from what direction. Sugar has been a huge issue in uh, the whole juice world, not just orange juice, but I think for everybody. uh, You've heard, but yet our consumers like sweet juice, don't they? Yeah, definitely. That's kind of like a dilemma. All our consumers like very sweet juice, but they concern the sugar. So we're just trying to find a way to solve that problems. And we can keep the uh, we can keep the sweetness in our product, but at the same time, our consumer would not consume a lot of sugar. To solve that, in our lab, we're looking for some uh, either non-calorie sweetener or sweet enhancer. For the sweetener, you probably know they're uh, not sugar. They provide that sweetness. But for that sweetness enhancer, that's those compounds are tasteless. But when you combine those compounds with sugar, they can increase the sweetness of sugar. So in that way, our consumer can still uh, enjoy the sweetness of our, of our orange juice, but at the same time, they would not ingest a lot of sugar. What have we not discussed you'd like folks to know about your job here, what you're doing to help growers, processors, and give consumers a product they want? Well, because we understand right now our industry are facing a very serious problem, HLB, because the first thing is we need to increase the production to make sure we have enough orange or we have enough citrus fruit. But at the same time, we also... Our job, we want to, based on that, to increase the market share of our 
uh, citrus products. So, so which means all the strategy here or all the solution we choose is based on if that is a HLB treatment or is, if that is a HLB solution. So that's kind of like I want to mention here. Sounds good. We kind of covered the waterfront pretty well. Yeah. So. Excellent. You Wong, thank you. Thank you. Back to you, Abby. Thank you, Ernie. Wrapping up this month's program is Dr. Fiorizi, an assistant professor of citrus horticulture at the Indian River Research and Education Center. He's going to be discussing a couple of different topics, so we're going to go ahead and kick it off here. First, Dr. Fiorizi, you've been working on some grapefruit variety trials. Can you give us an update on that? Absolutely. So those uh, new grapefruit variety trials have been planned uh, in the last year and a half. And um, one of the most important ones is the uh, UFIFAS uh, Millennium Block. Several people already uh, know this uh, piece of property where the study is going to get uh, installed since it was uh, planted here in the early 2000s. Unfortunately, it had to uh, be eradicated in uh, 2005 due to canker eradication program. And um, we really think there is a need to uh, start uh, looking for uh, promising tolerant varieties here at the river in our conditions. So our goal is really to uh, put a large-scale uh, new grapefruit uh, in uh, UFR and other rootstocks on grapefruit um, and other citrus types here at the river to generate uh, local data for uh, our growers and potentially identify HOB tolerance over here uh, for the fresh fruit production. So um, on that fashion, um, we are planning uh, large independent trials. So one is really focusing on new grapefruit cultivars our goal is to test 19 uh, released materials on three different rootstocks, and all of uh, the selections were provided by the UFIFAS and the USDA breeders. In several meetings we had together with uh, growers at the Indian River Citrus League, and uh, we came up with the most promising um, materials that we could uh, select for this trial. We also discussed the possibility and the need to um, work with uh, different rootstocks since UF released the UFR series, and we also have several materials that were never tested here. So then we are putting a uh, trial together uh, with grapefruit, navel, and mandarin um, here at the river as well. The main reason for us to do that, particularly with uh, those uh, three types of um, citrus, is primarily because we are focusing on the fresh industry here at the river. And we do think, uh, for example, navels and mandarins are real options for our growers to stay in the fresh uh, citrus business and diversify their portfolio and uh, hopefully minimize the risk. So in that fashion, we are really looking to um, 
identify potential uh, rootstock effects on uh, fruit-soluble solids content, uh, which we commonly uh, call BRICS, in uh, a specific point, which is granulation, which are uh, really unknown in the materials we currently have. So another trial we are um, really excited about is the USDA uh, APHIS MAC grapefruit variety trial. And that was a major accomplishment from uh, FTEX DPI and the Indian River uh, Citrus League. So we are mainly uh, looking to plant large field trials of some of the most promising uh, grapefruit sign rootstock combinations that may have more tolerance to HLB and monitor them over time uh, to check if that uh, is indeed the case. And um, the way we plan those trials is very unique. So we will have two set of uh, plantings, and uh, we will occupy approximately 10 acres on each of uh, the sites. So we are uh, currently uh, planting that in more than 30 representative um, blocks all over the Indian River District which makes it a very large and unique trial in several fashions. So we are probably talking about 320 acres of studies in uh, multiple growers. And they had the ability to choose about eight acres of uh, their own plantings out of a list of uh, seven scions and rootstocks that we provided. And on each location, we are um, putting a very interesting experiment where we will have all the um, 42 cyan rootstock combinations replicated and um, at a certain um, experimental design that will allow us to collect the data from those plots and uh, run statistics to see how those combinations perform differently in different sites. We're really excited about the possibility to uh, try those uh, large trials and perhaps um, the identification of a more tolerant HLB uh, material, sorry, a material that's more uh, HLB tolerant will be a game changer for our industry that had been really hammered by HLB in the uh, late in the last years. That sounds great. So many growers have been interested in work being done on citrus under protective screens or cups, and you're actually working on a cups project. How's that going? Um, the cups project or the citrus under protective screen project is uh, something that um, at the best of my knowledge, it started here in um, Four Piers. Um, my predecessor, Dr. Barry Gruber, um, installed this in uh, 2012. And um, this project has one interesting um, objective, which is to exclude the psyllid from uh, citrus production areas. Uh, so the overall goal is to use a, a screen house to actually block the psyllids to contaminate uh, the citrus trees. And 
Um, in that fashion, the system works pretty effectively because uh, we've never uh, detected any HOB infected trees inside our uh, enclosures uh, till now. And um, that is a pretty um, fascinating and interesting result, particularly because the system is over there for more than five years. So uh, over here at the IREC cups, we truly have um, a, a experimental facility where we have independent individual um, quarter of an acres greenhouses where we have all our treatments in comparison to an open air field that's slightly different than um, what my uh, colleague, Dr. Arnold Schumann, has in uh, the CREC cups, where he has a, a large uh, 1.3 acre facility. Our objectives here are um, pretty simple. So we really want to assess the ability of those covert structures to reduce uh, the incidence and the damage uh, caused by HLB and canker. We also want to determine the ability of container-grown citrus at super high planting densities uh, to yield um, economically unprofitable crops in less time. And we want to compare that uh, to in-ground and open air uh, plants. So we do have them a um, an experimental design that covers uh, two different coverings, two different plantings, and two different rootstocks. So we've been conducting trials uh, using that uh, experimental design for the last four years, and we are in the process of changing that structure to something more um, efficient in delivering important results to our commercial growers. So basically, um, we are in the process of uh, analyzing the data for this season. We um, know by previous seasons that uh, the potted trees have higher bricks and a larger yield in comparison to the in-ground trees. There was no difference between rootstocks particularly the ones we tested, which were sour in uh, US 897. However, um, by uh, visual observation, I was able to uh, identify that this 2018-2019 season um, is uh, a little bit different. So apparently the uh, in-ground trees, they had a large uh, yield, a larger yield in comparison to the pots with um, around 90% uh, pack out. Fruit were just looking fantastic and we are in the process of finishing up, putting our numbers together and um, we will uh, soon be able to talk about uh, better numbers uh, for our growers. Well, that concludes March's All In for Citrus podcast. Again, I'm Abby Taylor. Be sure to tune in next month for more updates on citrus research. Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.